we live in a quite a modern apartment block, but in a very traditional town. So we have like the church really nearby. So the church bell goes off every hour. There's um, a train station. So you hear the trains go by. You've got like little twittering birds and dogs and things like that, which are like happy, lovely neighborhood sounds. And then you have a lot of like people screaming in various languages in the different apartments around, which is also interesting. Welcome to That Feels Like Home, a podcast by the Museum of Domestic Design and Architecture, MODA, reaching you from Middlesex University in London. I'm Ana Baeza, and I'll be hosting the second season to explore the multiple stories around home in the current COVID crisis. This time, we're recording in less favourable conditions from our homes, so please bear with us if the sound isn't always of studio quality. And in this season, I'll be talking with historians, anthropologists, activists and practitioners to reflect on the many changes brought about this pandemic on our homes. As always, we draw inspiration from our collections to rethink the past through the lens of the present. In this episode, we're thinking about how sound influences our experience of home. And it's interesting to reflect that when we recorded this a few weeks ago, the country as a whole had experienced a period of unusual quiet. We were all required to stay at home and the customary sounds of traffic reduced. Perhaps all of us became more aware of the sounds of neighbours, housemates and even ourselves. So we'll be discussing this alongside with listening to some of those home sounds during lockdown. What do our homes sound like? Is the radio turned on? Can you hear your next door neighbour? Perhaps a flushing toilet or some drilling for the next DIY project? children playing, or perhaps complete silence. And what does that silence feel like? Is it relaxing or difficult to listen to and live with? In this episode, we'll be exploring the domestic soundscape, an aspect of home that is often overlooked because it's so ordinary that it becomes part of the invisible landscape of the everyday, in the words of the cultural historian Joe Moran. And we're joined by two fantastic guests, anthropologist Joe Taki and sound artist and knitter Felicity Ford. Welcome, Joe and Felicity. Hi. Hi. Joe Taki is a professor in the Institute for Media and Creative Industries at Loughborough University in London. She is a media anthropologist researching media, communication, development and social change with an interest in the senses and emotions and everyday life. Her research is underpinned by ethnographic principles and sensibilities. Felicity Ford is a self-employed artist working principally under the Knit Sonic Monica. She mostly works with hand knitting, knit and spoken word and field recordings, Sonic. Her practice lies at the intersection of craft and art, and she is especially interested in using sounds to amplify and celebrate women's history and to explore the politics and textures of daily life. And also back in 2012, Felicity was artist in residence at Moda for her project Sonic Wallpapers, which explored a new auditory approach to Moda's wallpaper collection, asking what would it be like if we decorated our homes with sounds? So it's brilliant to have you here, uh, Joe, and also brilliant to have you back, Felicity. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the sounds of home, silences, radio listening, but also about the sounds that might intrude into our very intimate domestic spaces, the sounds that come from the outside. But before we do that, I'd like to ask you about the practice of listening, what that means to you, Joe, and Felicity. In the past, Joe, you've written this is something that's quite hard to describe in words, so I'm sure this is not an easy question. But then also, Felicity, you're a sound artist and much of your work, I'm assuming, is about listening. So just wanted to ask you both, how do you engage with the act of listening and why is it important? For me, listening is about 
being really present to what is happening and there's a kind of bearing witness to and being present to the immediate moment that I find extremely grounding but it's also for me it's a slower pace of comprehending everyday reality than photos which are kind of like a very tiny fraction of time because if I stand and listen to how long it takes for the beginning of the sound of an aeroplane in the sky to the end of when I can't hear that sound anymore then I've been present in place to what is happening right around me for several minutes and I find that a very yeah for me it's about being present to what's right in front of me in a very kind of immediate and very sensual kind of way. As you have mentioned like in the past I've done research on sound I haven't done much research on sound in recent years although I've worked with other people studying sound supervised PhD students or read the work of other people and I do remember when writing about sound and soundscapes that it was difficult to find a way of putting it into words and describing it in words. But it's not so much the listening that's hard to describe because the listening is a process or a practice. It's a practical thing that we do and it's quite hard to stop listening. So I think listening for me now, because I'm not doing research on sound at the moment listening is just something that I do as a person in society so occasionally I think you become aware of listening but mostly it is just something that one does that is not really easy to stop doing so I think it's easy to describe and write about listening when you think about it but what you're listening to is often quite hard to describe I often resort to words that are more like touch words or tactile words when I'm trying to describe sounds because we don't have a very big vocabulary for describing different kinds of sounds. And often when I'm listening, if I was to try and describe what I heard, I will resort to kind of like it was a scratchy sound or it was a tickly sound or it was a rough sound. Yeah, I think sometimes that it's difficult to pinpoint what the process of listening is, but For me, I can only say it is very physical and it's about being very present in my whole body to what is happening around me. Yeah, and I think what you're both pointing at in some way, I think, which is about this very experiential aspect of it that cannot really be translated to spoken language in in an easy way is is something I can definitely relate to. And I guess it's one of the reasons also why I asked you to bring some sounds. So could you tell us a bit about the sounds that you brought and, and why you chose them and how they kind of fit within that repertoire of everyday activities and domestic soundscapes. Let's start with your sounds, Joe. Yeah, so the sound that I recorded is the sound that I quite often wake up to, which is a soundscape that is, I think, unique to the lockdown period. So what it is, is it's got birdsong, 
So that has been something that I've been very conscious of uh, since the um, lockdown, lockdown happened. And then there's this sound of my grandson building Lego and searching for Lego pieces. So this is a sound that I've never really been terribly conscious of before, but uh, now it's quite often a sound that I wake up to as he sat on the landing outside my bedroom door playing with his Lego. And then in the background, there's also the radio. So this is the soundscape that I often wake up to. And I think that's when I'm most conscious of listening and the soundscape throughout the whole day. And now let's listen to Felicity's recording. So uh, the sound that I've bought is also very much a sound from the lockdown period. And it's the sound recorded from the stairs because I always hear the sound upstairs. I'm upstairs and my husband is downstairs, Mark, doing pee with Joe Wicks. And, uh, and I kind of wake up to this sound or even if I've already woken up and I'm, I'm getting up and I'm just starting my day, I can hear this loud exercising on the wooden floor and there's this particular kind of beep 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 and I don't know what it is it's some sort of sound that's part of the pee with Joe Wicks that's to keep you doing an exercise or to tell you that you have to do it a bit more and that's just become such a part of my experience of lockdown it's like every day during the week nine to nine thirty this is the sound that's going on in our house and uh, in the background, you can hear the shower and that's me in the shower. And that's always how it is at the moment in the mornings, me getting ready upstairs and uh, exercise with Joe Wicks going on downstairs. And I find it really interesting that you've both chosen sounds that are new to this period of lockdown, but also sounds that are of that moment of waking up in the morning. So I guess I, I wanted to just follow up with a question around why did you choose these sounds? Like, is there something about a sort of changing soundscape that especially made you more aware of the sort of sonic surroundings? And, and I guess, secondly, why that time of day? What do you think it is? Is it about the morning? I think it's because it's, you know, you're waking up and I think your senses perhaps are, well, they're waking up as well. So you become aware of the sounds around you in a way that's different to throughout the day when you're sort of moving around in soundscapes. And I think it's noticeable because it is different. It's like, it's not the normal sounds that you're used to, you know, I mean, if you've lived in the same place for, I don't know, 10 years or something, and then the soundscape changes, it's a really fundamental change. So I think it's that waking up and noticing the difference and sounds that are usually a little bit muffled by, I don't know, traffic noise or, you know, aeroplanes overhead suddenly sort of become foregrounded and you become much more aware of them. So 
you know, I keep saying to people, gosh, there's so many more birds around at the moment. And of course, it's probably not that there's more birds around. It's just that I can hear them more. Yeah, it's been quite strange for me with that because I've just in as much as I've been paying very close attention to everyday sounds for as long as I can remember. And we live on a very quiet street anyway. And I guess when I got really intensely interested in everyday sounds, I kind of was paying very close attention to like what birds there are in the neighborhood and what the sounds, everybody's got these different iron gates in our street and um over time I've got used to knowing well, that's number 11's iron gate that has a slightly <laughs> different timbre from number 15 and so in a way it's quite strange for me because it was something that I felt like was a very particular pursuit noticing these everyday sounds and what's been strange for me about lockdown is suddenly a lot more people taking an interest in that and becoming kind of aware of that and I suppose things like the birds and I was thinking because you were doing this podcast during lockdown I wanted to find a sound that would speak to that particular context and I was thinking well most of these sounds that I'm noticing during lockdown don't feel specific to this time because I've been thinking about them for over a decade Mm -hmm. but then the Joe Wicks PE sound is so for me in a way this period I associate more with this compression of sounds of people talking across the internet of things being broadcast from youtube from zoom the texture and compression of mobile phone recordings like in a way that has become much more in the foreground for me i find it interesting felicity the way that you describe the beep beep in the joe wicks and the way that you said i'm not sure what that's for and wondered a couple of things that it might be and uh, there's something, isn't there, about unfamiliar sounds and trying to figure out what they are and uh, putting your interpretation onto it, I suppose. So you're now really used to that sound and it's part of your everyday sort of routines. But, you know, I was just thinking it sounded like you haven't done the Joe Wicks workout because my feeling when you described the beep, 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 I immediately felt this sense of relief oh it's almost coming to an end because that's to me what that beep 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 means so even in your description of it I felt this physical sense of oh it's almost over so it's interesting what sounds can do to you or even the descriptions of sound yes you're right there is something about the unfamiliar and I think the thing that I found most striking is I had an errand someone gave me a check And I had to physically go into town to lodge it. And I'd been putting it off and putting it off. And then I realised that's nearly six months. I have to go now. And it was right at the height of lockdown. And the quietness of town was really strange. Like all the shops shut, all the restaurants shut, no people. And I think there was one bird in the canal. And it was making a little, I think it was like a coop. And it was doing its call. But that sound was reverberating off all of the surfaces. And I realised I've never heard that because that space would be buffered by people. But I didn't record that sound. I can just tell you about it. I recorded it in my memory, but uh, (laughs) but not on my recorder. So 
that's yeah. my other lockdown sound. The thing is, you can't really separate sound and soundscape from all the other. I mean, this idea that you experience sound or you you need to draw on other sort of ways of describing sounds, like other sort of senses, like touch or feel or vision or whatever. I think during lockdown and the the way that people's movement and the sort of presence of, I don't know, vehicles and so forth, changing so much sound has actually changed because of what you described you know the different surfaces that sound is bouncing off because there's nothing in the way to stop it so sound is different during lockdown it's not just that we're hearing things that we couldn't hear before but those sounds themselves are transformed because the environment is so different I'd like to maybe to return to the question of the domestic space, because you've been talking about how because the sounds have changed themselves, because the environment around us has, how has that felt in the domestic environment for you? How has the sonic atmosphere in the home felt different during this period? I've actually felt very nostalgic for and very comforted by a project that I worked on in 2008 called the Fantastical Reality Radio Show. It was like a really cheesy kind of a 1950s game show, radio show, but everything was about really mundane, everyday sounds. And I collaborated with these artists, Kayla Bell and Claudia Figueredo, and they were doing a project at the time called Mundane Appreciation. And I remember working on that radio show and I was recovering from some fairly major surgery on my feet. And so I was kind of in the house a lot because of illness and disability. And I had this great project on where we were doing things like, there was a whole thing, which snack is that? And so the idea was that we recorded eating different snacks. So I think I had Jacob's crackers, crisps, and then there was some sort of other biscuit. And I was recording the sound of me eating these different snacks with the idea I was going to play this to somebody later and they had to identify which one was crisps. And I just remember, <laughs> I just I just remember if you've never done it, if you've never listened to headphones and had a microphone and eaten crisps, after that crisps are transformed. You can never just go back to just eating crisps without thinking about it. And I remember weeping with laughter. For some reason, the sound was so funny. And then similarly, we kind of decided, well, we're going to make these little profiles about ourselves for this radio show that are going to be based on the domestic soundscape. And I thought, well, which sounds do I want to incorporate? And I thought about the sound of tipping sprinkles like sugar strands into a glass bowl if you're going to make cookies or something. And it is such a beautiful sound. These little tinging sounds of tiny pieces of hard sugar going into a bowl and like every time I open the kitchen cupboard to make a cup of tea or something, there's sprinkles there. And I think about that sound, even what is it, 12 years later. And I think about like I just there's something so joyful and life affirming in that project. And in a way, I haven't thought about that project and I'm not thinking about the final output that we made, but much more the process of being in place, sort of stuck at home recovering from this major surgery and just filling up that time with mischief and celebration and recording every sort of like making popcorn that's another one if you've never made popcorn in a saucepan and listened to it and thought about how it sounds like fireworks 
you should definitely, I recommend it highly as a sonic entertainment. And I just think, yeah, that I've been thinking a lot about that. So I don't know if that answers your question of the domestic soundscape, but for me, the domestic soundscape has been transformed by those earlier kinds of projects and lockdown has weirdly made me think about them again. And the process of being at home and remembering it as a vital site of creativity and play and a cultural site of meaning and a a kind of really rich resource when we can't go out. Yeah, it also seems to to suggest like a, a new attentiveness to those small everyday gestures that we start to perceive in a different way and to give more importance, perhaps. I don't know how that's been for Joe, whether this resonates with you, Joe, or how have the domestic routines and atmosphere felt different as regards to their sound? I think I've been trying quite a lot to create soundscapes to, to fill the empty spaces because the domestic space has become bigger, larger in our lives because of the lack of our ability or, you know, we're not allowed to travel around and go into other spaces so much, those of us who aren't frontline workers. So I've been working at home. I've been just as busy as if I'd been physically able to go to work, uh, perhaps busier, I'm not sure. But it's all in the same space. So I think when I'm working, I try and reduce or exclude any sounds. I'm occasionally become aware of you know, sounds outside, the bird song, et cetera, et cetera, or other people in my household moving around. But when I'm not working, that's when I need to feel the soundscape because it's then my domestic space. So somehow I'm trying to switch between a working soundscape and a domestic soundscape, even though it's all happening in this same physical space. That's so interesting. Um, I'm just thinking of some conversations that we've had in other podcasts in which we speak more about spatial demarcations between the domestic space and the workspace. But the fact that sound has been one of the channels, I guess, for you to to make that division, I think is really interesting. And and I guess it speaks to that physical quality of of sound as something that's sort of spatial and and how it takes space. I I think it's probably something that everyone tends to do but not in a particularly conscious way so I finished working now I'll switch the radio on or I'm starting to work now I'll switch the radio off so you are manipulating and adjusting the domestic soundscape as you move through different tasks so yeah it's really interesting. You're listening to That Feels Like Home. I'm Anna Baeza, and in this episode, I've been talking to Joe Tacky and Felicity Ford about the experience of soundscapes in our homes. And now we're going to move on to discussing the experience of silence and quietude in lockdown. We've been talking about different domestic sounds, but I wanted to also touch on the subject of silence, which has come up in a sort of more tangential way, and especially in cities. And I live myself in, in London. Silence has been for me quite significant as part of the experience of lockdown and probably one of the things that I will remember. I wonder if that's the same for you or have you felt you've been engaging with silence and with the texture of silence in in a new way during this period and what your thoughts are on that? I think at home there's very rarely any 
genuine silence like there's always a sound like there's always the sound of our tap just constantly drips in the kitchen and that sound is there all the time there's loads of blackbirds in this street and they're always on the roofs singing and to me those are quite kind of comforting sounds and I definitely have noticed the drop in air traffic and I think that's one of the major reasons that I'm noticing more birdsong definitely is that that background drone of planes going over and over and over has kind of lessened somewhat. But I definitely found that quietness and particularly the quietness of like cafes and restaurants and pubs really strange. I didn't appreciate how much of a comfort it was to me to walk through town and hear people laughing and getting drunk and being silly and eating and those little sounds of cutlery even and the sounds of the bustle of life and I think that was really strange seeing the centre of town being really silent and I think that for me was the slightly darker side of silence or quietness. I think it's interesting as well we talked earlier about you know how you talk about or write about or put into words things that are to do with listening and sounds and the sonic, I guess. And so I've been thinking about people saying it's quiet, it's so quiet. And quite often for me, it's like when I'm thinking, oh, it's really quiet. I'm saying that because I can hear a sound really loudly, like birdsong. So it's like, it's interesting. And it reminds me of the difference between sound and noise and noise is quite often considered to be quite a negative thing. It's like an invasive thing. So, you know, people talk about noise pollution and so forth. But actually, sometimes with the, the lack of noise, which indicates something else, you know, that there are people around, that you're not on your own, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is a comforting thing. So, you know, the way we talk about these things and the role that they play in our you know domestic lives or everyday lives it's quite hard to articulate and in the past when I've written about silence and stillness as a sort of state of contemplation silence doesn't necessarily indicate a lack of sound or a lack of noise so I've written in the past about how some people feel their domestic space with quite loud sounds in order to achieve a sense of what I used to call social silence. And then I started to use this term stillness instead. So it's like blocking out unwanted thoughts. And I just wonder this sense of being in a space where suddenly it feels really silent and you feel quite alone and you long for the presence of others and the indicators of that partly being the sounds of other people. I just wonder if that's, you know, connected to this sort of emotional state of feeling either part of something or alone or connected or disconnected. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And I hadn't thought of framing it that way, but it absolutely rings true. And it makes me think of an experience I've been having recently. I just became much more aware of some of the sounds of the neighbours around me. One of the parents works night shifts, so there's quite a lot of sounds during the night um, that I was a bit frustrated by at the beginning. But then actually that 
made me aware of some of the social lives around me. So there's something there about the social dimensions of other sounds that we suddenly become aware of, of people that live around us and that we might not have interacted with before because they were dampened by other noises. I feel like when I was thinking about that and thinking about this podcast, the phrase that I put down around this question was collective vulnerability. Because for me, the social sonic state of lockdown has been one of an intense feeling of like of vulnerability, but a shared collective vulnerability. For example, reading what you were saying about your neighbours and becoming more aware of your neighbours sonically during this period of lockdown, but then also coming more into contact with their lives. Like I have a neighbour on one side who they've had a baby last year, so she would be one. And I hear them in the garden all the time, showing her things and talking to her and talking her through her first steps. And I feel a little bit almost like I'm trespassing on these very Mm -hmm. vulnerable, fragile moments of like this, her first summer of being kind of one and, and being able to kind of walk and crawl and she's got some words. And, and then at the same time, I've got chickens. We've got four chickens. I adore the chickens. And I'm always talking to the chickens when I go out. So, and suddenly I became really self-conscious. There was one morning where I could hear they were talking to their daughter, their little baby girl. I was talking to the chickens. Um, you know, which kind of, and then suddenly I just felt really self-conscious. And then I thought, no, we're all just trying to live. And in our ways, we've got like our families and our family life, which for me is the chicken babies. And I, you know, I don't on the chickens and I'm always bringing them treats. And and when I talk to them, they kind of respond. They kind of go. And and I suddenly just felt very tender towards all of us. And then I have another neighbor uh, on the other side and she's very recently bereaved and uh, she lost her mother and she was her mother's full time carer. And she's I'm very conscious of her being alone. And our cat goes round and she says that the cat knows that she needs company. And I hear her talking to the cat. And I just think how tender are those things of like her talking to the cat, me talking to the chickens, the neighbours talking to the baby. It just feels really very, this is something to me to hold in intense tenderness. And I feel like this is happening everywhere. And we're all seeing and hearing parts of our lives or parts of other people's lives that maybe in normal circumstances we wouldn't hear and we're sharing parts of our lives that we in normal circumstances wouldn't want to share. It sounds like the soundscapes that you're describing, they're like incredibly sort of comforting in a sense and it just makes me think about the way people use sort of mediated sounds, so radio you might think of in particular But it is about connections, isn't it? And trying to be connected. So when you're listening to a neighbour talking to a child or a partner or whatever, that's not the sort of thing that you normally think of as the sorts of sounds that would bring you comfort, like the sound of a radio programme that you regularly listen to or, or music channel that you listen to. But it's sort of transformed into that somehow so I think this need 
for connection because we can't physically connect, as you said, because, you know, we might transmit COVID if we don't socially distance, but sound isn't prevented in the same way. So sound is a really important connector for us in this particular time. And I guess I, you know, I often wonder about people who are completely on their own in lockdown and what role does sound play for them in their lives and listening to neighbours, is that a comforting thing or a reminder of their isolation? I don't know the answer, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know. You've introduced the subject of isolation, Joe, and how we need to think carefully how sounds, but also quietude and absence of sound can be affecting people very differently depending on their situation. So I wanted to move on to the subject of connectedness and how radio and maybe other forms of broadcasting like podcasts might be offering a way of generating connections. What's your personal experience of listening to the radio? Yeah, so this is interesting because, I mean, thinking about my own use of radio, you know, I've always listened to the radio first thing in the morning and uh, often when I'm driving and not so much late at night or anything like that. So I still do that. I probably do it more because I'm more in the domestic environment more, although I don't, I'm not driving long distances anymore. So I feel like radio has is important not just to create a soundscape but also to find out what's happening because there's this the other thing about the current pandemic situation is it's about getting information and understanding what's happening and trying to sort of connect with other people's experiences so for me that comes in the form of speech radio so i listen to a lot of news radio and news programs and discussion programs and also podcasts. So podcasts, have, well, for for some time I've listened to podcasts on occasions, but they've become really important to me now. So if I'm cooking, I need to be listening to a podcast as well. So I don't know, it's, it's some kind of connection to something else or a feeling of a space that you're in, like on your own. And feeling some kind of connectedness to some other place or person or story or whatever. And um, thinking about doing this podcast, I was interested that, Anna, you shared with us a link to a site that gives you a sense of what different places sound like during lockdown. And it reminded me of the Radio Garden, which is an app and a website where you can tune in live to radio stations from all over the world. And I don't know why I'd forgotten about it, because for ages now, I've been trying to find ways to connect to what people are talking about and saying in the States because of the Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd events, and just really, really wanting to be connected to it. And i finally, because of preparing for this podcast, found a way to be connected to that, listening to a radio station in Washington that is exploring the topic from various different perspectives. So, yeah, I think for me, the radio and even podcasts, which aren't a live broadcast, are about connecting. 
That's so interesting what you're saying there about podcasts, because I'm going to say a slight heresy, which is I don't really listen to the radio as in terrestrial radio. I love the idea of the radio, but I mostly hear it in the morning when it comes on. It's our alarm and we go straight into like the seven o'clock news. And um, and I find like you, Joe, I'm very I've been following the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on with uh, anti-racism in America. And I find mainstream news coverage like CNN or Fox News or Sky News, and even to an extent, um, the BBC News, I feel like I'm not getting the depth of coverage Mm. of what is going on. And so I listen to, there's one podcast that I religiously listen to, which is called The Black Guy Who Tips Podcast. And they're really long conversations. It's a husband and wife And they're about between two and three hours long each episode. And they speak on such depth about race in America. And in a way, that's kind of a I get something very important socially from listening to that, which connects me to a whole series of things that are going on in the world at the same time as the pandemic. And it's interesting that I think podcasts and the fact that people can now take broadcasting into our own hands and we can all produce content and put it up online, has removed that sense of collective, like there's a programme that's on at nine o'clock in the morning, it's broadcast on terrestrial radio, we're all listening to that at the same time. That's not the case anymore with podcasts. Our experiences are much more individually curated and geographically dispersed. And yet there is that empowerment that you can go these are the voices that I want to listen to in trying to understand these huge, complicated issues. It's interesting, isn't it? It's like the kinds of podcasts you're talking about. It's like being drawn into other people's very detailed, long conversations, a bit like sort of eavesdropping or listening to your neighbours and becoming self-conscious that people might be listening to you talking to your chickens. I mean, the thing is that probably listening to you talking to your chickens is just as um, fulfills the same. I mean, it's not about, you know, intellectual topics, I assume. I don't know what you say to your chickens. (laughs) It might not be... It might not be unpacking race issues, but it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? It's about relationships. It's relational. It's about sociality. That's what sound does. And whether it's radio, overheard conversations, podcasts, that's what it does. It connects us through this sort of sense of relationship and sociality, I think. I think the subject of sociality, the idea of listening to other people's conversations and their daily lives, and the immediacy and directness of the medium of the radio and podcasting relates to some interesting initiatives around documenting sound during the pandemic. So there are projects that are trying to create a global community of sounds. For example, Cities of Memory launched the initiative State Home Sounds, and there's another project called Apari, which is also collecting the changing soundscapes around us. So I wonder what you make of these projects that are trying to collect the pandemic through its soundscapes, which are about building connections, but also about how we will remember this moment through sound. Could you reflect on some of the opportunities, but also the limitations that these projects afford? I'm a very long term fan of the Appery Sound Map and the Cities of Memory project. And like I've contributed for quite a few years to the Appery Sound Map, I think it's a beautiful project in terms of um, 
kind of creating a a global community of of listeners. And I love going on there and just listening to what's going on in the world right now. But in terms of like an attempt to document the pandemic, my feeling is that when you make a recording, for instance, if I go out and I make a recording of something that speaks to this idea of the pandemic, I really feel like most of all, the person who's going to benefit from me making that recording is me. And it's going to be part of my map of how I am making sense of what this moment feels like. And I'm not sure that any of us can collectively represent how this time sounds or feels for everyone. And there's some kind of interesting, like ethics is maybe a heavy word, but there's to me something interesting about an attempt to capture how it feels. Like there's no way that we can possibly record all the nuance of this moment. And I kind of feel like in a way those projects are kind of coming out of a need of individuals and creators for whom sound recording is an important part of making sense of the world. And I'm not sure if they'll become like a lasting document of this time. The thing about sound and listening to sound is that it's bodily felt, isn't it? It's not Mm. just about your ears. It's like a physical thing there's the sound vibrations etc mm-hmm. etc et so a sound recording and people's experience of listening to that is another bodily experience <laughs> uh, so they are separate things but but the the thing about sound is can you really capture sound if you can't attach the sort of sentiments that were experienced along with it. How do you communicate that? And does it matter? Because in the listening of the recorded sound, maybe different sentiments are produced. It's like if you turned off all of your other senses and just used sound, the world would feel different. So, yeah, I mean, what happens when someone listens to recorded sound without that broader context? That's the thing is the framework around it, because I kind of I have this memory of um, there's a whole other idea around this idea of sharing sounds, because if your idea of sharing sounds is that you record a sound and put it up online and that's it, then that's very different than if I say if I recorded a sound and then I attach it in an email and I write to you about, hey, Joe, I heard this amazing sound and it made me think of you. And and this was the context of me listening to the sound. And then it becomes already the context around how you're going to listen to that sound is so different than if it's just kind of. And I think that those frameworks of how those sound maps and those projects that record COVID, how they're like the framework around them in a way is every bit as important as what the actual sounds are that people are recording. Yes, absolutely. I, I think it. Re- I mean, I think this is a question that pertains to sound, but I think it pertains to documentation practices in general as well. And and if you think of the way that an archive is constituted and how, if you try to present that without those frameworks, then there is, you know, it's it's a it's a changed context, isn't it? So so I think it's it's something that probably translates to many of the other COVID projects that aren't also just about sound. It's just a generally a really important question around how we do documentation, I think. 
Yeah, and who's at the centre of the documentation? Like key workers and people who have been putting in massive shifts Absolutely. In, in central London's overcrowded hospitals. Their the soundscape of their experience of COVID yep. is so far different from like my privileged wander around my nice garden, play with my yep. chickens, middle class idyll that I live in. Maybe it's the contrast. Maybe that's what would be really useful about or is proving useful about collecting sounds from COVID. That sort of comparing, contrasting and trying to give a sort of more rounded, comprehensive sense of the differences. Because, you know, we might all be locked down apart from frontline workers but our experiences of lockdown and our experiences of sound and everything else is quite different. We've heard mm. a lot about the rise in domestic violence and child abuse, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all these sort of negative things that some of us are not experiencing at all. So the differences in you know, we talked earlier about those sort of comforting sounds in domestic soundscapes, but some people's domestic soundscapes are anything but comforting, I guess. Absolutely. And I think it's really difficult for anyone to try and author a portrait of this period in time when yeah. there are so many conflicting and difficult social issues that are foregrounded by it. You know, I've sort of found myself in this space where I'm thinking about all of those peoples whose soundscapes we will never hear or even come anywhere close to understanding, perceiving, being aware of, which is a reflection of, it sounds quite negative, but it's a reflection of society. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, as an academic, I can't imagine quite how to make this happen but I think it would be interesting to think about how to explore those sort of inequalities and like different life experiences of yeah. different groups not only hidden by the lockdown and by Covid but also exposed by events like the murder of George Floyd. It's one of the reasons I'm so drawn to sound is that you can through listening, you can draw together a very disparate collection of, of perspectives and you can bring them together by having all these different layers of different experiences. You can kind of put them together and say this is part of one whole context. But it's really hard to imagine how a project like that would come together. And it's, it's especially difficult to imagine yeah, the issue of authorship, who gets to choose which stories get told and which ones don't. And there are some things where, like I had an experience where I, so I still have to go to the GP for ongoing tests and stuff because of my long-term health issues with arthritis. And like I went to the doctors and the door's locked and the nurse comes out and asks me my name and my patient number and everything and have I got a temperature and she's there in like a full mask with two blue gloves on. I get given a mask and I realised I was like, wow, this person's experience of this period of time is so utterly different from me skipping around at, at home with the chickens. And it's also it's a, it's the kind of situation where it would feel to me utterly disrespectful to say, 
oh, I'm recording the sounds of lockdown. Do you mind if I sit my yeah. recorder on in your surgery? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. If you think about it from the perspective of sounds, then I think that's also what I'm figuring. How can I actually, how could you possibly ask someone who's having a terrible time um, to uh, record their soundscapes? But if you think about it, you know, going right back to the beginning of our conversation, if you think about it in terms of listening and active listening and listening beyond your sort of normal field of listening if you like listening to different voices different stories etc then maybe that's the way to think about it rather than focusing on the sound focusing on the process of listening and that seems to be what a lot of people are calling for around the black lives matter things you know you just reminded me of two things one is that breathing and the issue of our breath, like there will be some people in this pandemic where their main memory of the sound of this will be somebody that they love struggling to breathe. And that, for example, is a sound that you could never record that sound, the ethics of trying to record that sound. It's sort of unconscionable to be like, can I record this sound of breathing? And similarly, I was listening to a very interesting conversation between Diane Ivey and Ife Franklin, and they're two black fiber artists in the US. And Ife does a lot of work around telling the story and honoring the memory of her enslaved ancestors. And halfway through, they were trying to talk about everything that's going on in this moment. And Diane was getting frustrated and she went and she kind of exhaled. And Ife said, That breath, the sound of your breath, that is the sound. That's the ancestral memory of your ancestors, of the frustrations that we have felt. And it is George Floyd's breath that was taken away from him. And so for me, that both the pandemic and the situation with George Floyd, which also recalls the death of Eric Garner and that slogan, I can't breathe. In a way, maybe that will be the sound that I think about, which I would never record when I look back at this historic moment and think about which sounds were important now. Yeah, I'm tingling. Yeah. I can't add anything to that. That was great. Yeah, I think we'll probably can finish there, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Felicity and Joe, for for this conversation and for joining us. It was great to have you. Thanks very much for having us. A huge thanks to my guests for this episode, Joe Tacky from Loughborough University and Felicity Ford for joining us to talk about the sounds of home and the sounds of COVID. In this episode, you also heard the voice of Annelies van de Ven, who lent her impressions of home life and home sounds during lockdown. And we're very grateful for her contribution. If you'd also like to take part in the podcast, get in touch with us emailing moda at mdx.ac.uk. I'm Anna Baitha, and this podcast is brought to you by the Museum of Domestic Design and Architecture, Middlesex University. For more information about this episode, show notes and reading lists, please visit our website moda.mdx.ac.uk. 
We'll be back again with more episodes touching on yet more aspects of home life and the everyday during COVID. Stay tuned. 